The college football playoff model has changed for the upcoming season. Yeah, I know there's going to be 12 teams, but it's going to a 5 plus 7 model. What's that mean? And what's that mean for Tennessee? That and a whole lot more. It's your Wednesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Wednesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Vols. I am Eric Kane. Happy to have you guys along for the ride. The big shout out to Game Time for making this show possible today. You can create an account, use the promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase by downloading the Game Time app today. Got a fun show coming up. We're going to talk about the college football playoff format changing from 6 6 to 5 7. What's that really mean? And how does that affect Tennessee? New assistants. Darrell Sims, William Inge, in a fantastic spot, really, with those two rooms that they inherit. And plus, we'll check in with our buddy Ward Wednesday, Josh Ward for Ward Wednesday here coming up on the show. You can listen, you can watch, you can subscribe for free by watching on YouTube, hitting that subscribe button, or subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. And again, it is completely free. Thank you guys for continuing to spread uh, the show and getting in front of more and more Tennessee fans. All right, so the College Football Playoff Committee met on Monday, they came to, or on Tuesday morning, came to a conclusion on what they were going to change with. Of course, you're going from four teams to 12 teams. The current college football playoff agreement is in place for two more seasons. So you're going for from four teams to 12 teams. We already knew all that. And it was a six, six model, meaning the six highest ranked uh, college football um, conference champions plus six at large. Now, you're going down to five. The holdup, they would have done this months ago, but really the holdup was the presidents from Oregon State and uh, Washington State, the two teams that are, are remaining in the you know Pac-12 that, um, that no longer really exists because they're still trying to get their share of the revenue dis- um, distribution. More on that here in a moment. But essentially what was agreed to on Tuesday was the College Football Playoff Board of Managers unanimously approved that it's going to guarantee the five highest-ranked conference champions inclusion in the expanded 12-team field this fall, along with the seven highest-ranking teams um, they get at large bids. So you're going from 6-6 to 5-7. In most years, what this 5-7 model will mean is that the conference champions from the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC will automatically get a spot in the playoff. Um, and again, that's going to be along with the highest ranking group of five conference champions. So whatever group of five conference champion that is, you know, you had, you had Liberty this year. You also had, um, SMU that was in that conversation as well. Whoever ends up ranked highest among the group of five gets the automatic bid. Uh, college football playoff committee will intentionally, um, will, will not refer to those group of fives as group of five in that description of the format. Uh, because there is a chance that the champion from one of the Power Four conferences finished ranked below the top champion from the American Athletic Conference, the Conference USA, the Mountain West, the Sun Belt, or the Mid-American Conference. Essentially what this means is, you remember a couple years ago when Cincinnati got in the college football playoff? Well, Pitt was the ACC champion. Pitt was the ACC champion, but Cincinnati got that bid. So what that means is they're not going to call those teams from the non-Big Four group of five because it doesn't necessarily mean that that's it's you know the ACC champion is going to get in such as two years ago, um, but on most years that's exactly you know what it's going to mean. Um, 
In the 12-team format, the four highest-ranked conference champions will receive a first-round bye. So that's kind of hidden in this whole thing here. Um, the four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeds one through four. So what that means really is, say Notre Dame that's an independent. Notre Dame could be the number one ranked team in the country wire to wire. But the best Notre Dame could be is that fifth seed. Meaning it would need, meaning it would have to win four straight games to be a national champion. That's brutal for, for Notre Dame, right? But it's the price you pay when you want to be independent. You play in the ACC and pretty much everything else, but Notre Dame football, it's better than everybody else, doesn't want to join a conference. Well, you reap what you reward, right? You reap what you sow. And so that's kind of what this is right now. I mean, Notre Dame could be number one all season long, but the highest it could be essentially is the fifth seed, meaning it does not get a first-round pie. So um, it, not not much of a difference, really. And, I mean, for Tennessee, win the conference you're in. Okay, you're going to win the SEC and you're in. Even if you don't win the SEC, typically you're going to be one of the 12 highest-ranked teams in the country, so you're going to get an automatic bid. So really, because Tennessee plays in the Southeastern Conference, it doesn't change much. Uh, Tuesday's meeting was also an opportunity for Washington State, Oregon State, um, to request the Power 5 revenue and voting rights in the new college football playoff contract. For the next two years, again, this is the, the current deal here, um, the remainder of the college football playoffs' current 12-year contract, Washington State and Oregon State will each receive the full Power 5 revenue distribution, uh, which is $5 million to $6 million per school. So they're set for the next two years. Oregon State and Washington State are lobbying to continue to get that full revenue split even when the new contract is in place despite they have no clue what their affiliation is going to be i'm not sure how that's going to work because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah i would like to make um two million dollars in three years but i have no clue what job i'm going to have can you give it to me <laughs> that's kind of what that means um according to pac 12s proposal um oregon state and washington state are asking for the distribution share and voting rights equal to the lowest per school pro rata share of the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and SEC conference distribution, regardless of how those four conferences actually distribute distribute the college football playoff distributions to their members. Okay, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, here's what I thought was interesting. This isn't a sweeping declaration or anything, but they also had this on the agenda, and this is how it could affect Tennessee. One change they are close to agreeing on, this being the College Football Playoff Committee, according to multiple sources the ESPN, is eliminating the contracts of the New Year's Six Bowl games, uh, which have uh, respected conferences um, in their tie-ins. So the Sugar Bowl has historically been an agreement between the SEC and the Big 12. The Rose Bowl has been long contractually obligated with the Big 10 Pac-12. The Orange Bowl, the ACC, Big 10, Notre Dame, and um, obviously the SEC as well. So when they come to a new agreement for the 12-team college football playoff in a couple of years, potentially the highest non, essentially the non-playoff team, I mean, Sugar Bowl might not be an automatic tie-in. Maybe Tennessee could play in the Rose Bowl in a couple of years. Wouldn't that be fun, the granddaddy of them all? As a sports journalist as a, and as a football fan, I would love to go and cover a game in the Rose Bowl because it's I've, I've never done that. I would love to go to the Fiesta Bowl or to the PlayStation, you know, to, to the Peach Bowl, to all these different avenues. And I know Tennessee's played in the Peach Bowl several times, but point being, the New Year's Six Bowl game tie-ins 
they might be doing away with that. According to the ESPN report, they are close to agree on, agreeing on eliminating the contracts in the New Year's Six Bowls with respective conferences in the new contract. That would be a big change, not necessarily for the college football playoff uh, for Tennessee, but if for a New Year's Six Bowl game, which should be a regularity here uh, with Josh Heupel in year four at Tennessee. New Year's Six Bowl game should be the norm if you're not in that playoff. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, we will see exactly you know what happens here. And um, uh, exciting time for college football, of course, with the college football playoff expanding. The first four, this is the biggest difference here, I think. The first four um, seeds will get buys, which means Notre Dame can only do as good as a five seed, which is just hilarious to me. So um, not much affects Tennessee. However, the New Year, New Year Six Bowl tie-ins could affect Tennessee. But hopefully Tennessee's going to be good enough to be in the college football playoff because I think Tennessee can be a top 12 team in the country consistently. And, uh, you know, we'll find out. Um, but that should be the goal. The college football playoff should be the goal every single year. And if you um, get a bye week, that's even better. But also if you're the higher-ranking team, you get to host a playoff game, which I think would be just so much fun. Hey, when we come back, though, I want to talk about how these new assistants that Tennessee's reportedly hired – are going to be in just a fantastic spot here with the groups that they inherit. That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Want to see about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to uh, buy all your tickets for your sports, music, comedy, and theater events in your area. Right now, you can get $20 off by downloading the Game Time app and putting in the promo code Locked On. Uh, killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying your tickets. They got last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find, and buy your tickets for every kind of event in your area. Again, it's not just sports, football, basketball, baseball. It's those comedy shows. It's the Tennessee Theater, the Bijou Theater, uh, concerts, all that and more. You can find those tickets on the Game Time app. Plus, they got the lowest price guarantee, even event cancellation protection and job loss protection as well. You can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what you expect when you arrive. Terms apply. Download the Game Time app. Put in the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N. Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. More to come as we continue on with a Wednesday Locked On Balls. All right. So it was reported by VolQuest.com's Austin Price, my colleague, on Monday that Tennessee has made two assistant coaching hires. Uh, those hires will be announced when they, they Tennessee and Danny White and Josh Hopper, they like to do them all together. And um, those deals will be announced here in the coming weeks all together. Also, Austin Price dropped the notes um, on Tuesday morning that Georgia was sniffing around Kelsey Pope, trying to get Kelsey Pope to come down there to Athens. And so it's expected that Kelsey Pope will get a new contract as well as he's expected to stay here at Tennessee. Um, but I wanted to talk about here in segment number two before we get to Josh Ward here coming up in about 10 minutes. Man, these assistant coaches are in such a fantastic spot here. Um, we talked more about who Darrell Sims is, who William Inge is on yesterday's show, kind of their pedigrees, their resumes, why I think they would work here at Tennessee. Well, what are they inheriting by coming here to Rocky Top? Well, let's start with Darrell Sims. Um passionate, relationship-type guy, demands excellence. Um, I can tell you firsthand, I've been around him for one year at Carson Newman, that is who this guy is. And um, he's going to get a guy that's going to be a rising junior, a guy that's played a whole lot of football in Dylan Sampson, who's primarily been the third option the past couple of seasons, but is now going to be that lead back. 
And then you're going to inherit Cam Selden, who Debo Samuel Debo Samuel was the player comp when he was coming up as a recruit. A guy that could play wide receiver, could split out and catch the ball out of the backfield, uh, could, could learn to be a true running back, was never a true running back in high school, but spent last year becoming a true running back in this system. And it was brief, but he looked pretty good in the Citrus Bowl when Tennessee blew out Iowa 35 to nothing. So you get Dylan Sampson. You get Cam Selden. Peyton Lewis has already signed, still delivered. He's coming to Tennessee. All right. And he's a guy under Jerry Mack's regime and how he did that room where he would spread the wealth. He would have a lot of guys not getting any over 15 carries a game. He would have 10 carries here. He had a lot, he'd have, you know, nine carries here. He'd have six carries here. Um, that's kind of how he ran his room. And under that formula, I think the, the rising freshman Peyton Lewis, I think could have been that third back, um, depending on how he does in fall camp, he's not going to be here in spring or he'll be here, but he's not going to be, um, available in spring as he got a cleanup procedure, uh, before arriving to Tennessee's campus. And, um, depending on how his summer workouts go in his fall camp, maybe he could have been that third option. Maybe he still can be that third option if he beats out Khalifa Keith and Khalifa Keith and Deshaun Bishop. But I'm curious to see how Darrell Sims is going to split the workload. We know Tennessee's tempo, um, goes fast. We know Tennessee, when you're going and you're humming, typically you don't, you don't want to stop and substitute. They still do on occasion because these guys get tired. Um, just going nonstop, no huddle up-tempo, up-tempo, and, and you're running the football a ton on that drive, you get tired, so sometimes they sub each other out. But um, typically, if you're in for the drive, you're in for the drive. And I'm intrigued to see, and maybe we can see a little bit in the spring game. Maybe we can ask him when he gets in, the, in front of the media. But we're not truly going to know how he's going to divide that workload um, until we see what a game looks like. It's never going to be Cody Schrader getting 20-plus carries a game. Physically, that can't happen with Tennessee's running backs because of the tempo. I mean, you just can't be out there that long. You're going to be too tired. Um, but I'm intrigued to see if it's going to be more 50-50, 60-40, or 60-20-20. Um, I'm intrigued to see what that's going to look like. So with Darrell Sims, you've got options, and um, it's up to you to see kind of how that works. Also, I mentioned Khalifa Keith was the bigger back in the signing class of 2023. Um you know, it's continuing to adjust to the college game and, and and learning all that. I'm intrigued to see what he looks like this spring. Khalifa Keith and Deshaun Bishop, um, the walk-on from – or not not the walk-on, but the local product is what I meant to say from Carnes High School, um, who I, I saw play all four years of high school and is a really dynamic player and who was having a really great spring practice last year and a really good fall camp this past fall before getting hurt. I think it's up to those guys. Big spring for those guys as they're going to they're gonna look to hold off Peyton Lewis – to be to see who could be that third back in the rotation because if I'm one of those guys if I'm Peyton Lewis if I'm Khalifa Keith I'm Deshaun Bishop and again Jerry Mack's gone so we'll have to see exactly how Darrell Sims wants to do his running back room but it's still the same head coach offensive on still the same offense coordinator Joey Halsley um but if I'm one of those guys I'm sitting here saying okay I want to be that third back I'm not going to be in front of Cam Selden I'm not going to be in front of Deshaun Bishop but I want to be that third back because that means I'm probably going to play some this year um, anyway, you want to spin it though. Darrell Sims has got a really nice room, in my opinion. Now let's shift over to linebacker. Um, Tennessee runs a four-two-five. The linebacker coach coaches the two inside backers. Essentially, one will be a Mike, one will be a Will, but they're two inside backers. Um, and, and you bring back a lot of experience. Keenan Peely, who has barely played, played one game in a Tennessee tenure, but he's been in college for dang near a decade. Um, he's the veteran. He's the old head in the room. 
Once again, he has a new coach um, because he came over to Tennessee and, of course, you know, missed out on playing, but now he gets a new linebackers coach. But Keenan Peely is kind of the leader in the room there, so that's a great starting point. And remember, just two spots. Then you have Elijah Herring, who came on in place of the injured Keenan Peely this past year, started the rest of the year, led Tennessee in tackles. But, you know, I would know. I played middle linebacker in my day. I was certainly not the best player on defense, but I led the team in tackles pretty much every year. Um, because I played middle linebacker. Elijah Herring, I'm not taking anything away from him, but he led the team in tackles because he was right there in the middle. Doesn't mean he was the best linebacker. Um, but I did think that he got better as the year went on. He's got a long way to go in playing outside of the box, covering the pass, making tackles in open space, playing inside out, running over on to- over top the blockers and not ducking under the blockers where you you miss a couple steps or you take away a couple steps on leverage um, you know, if you're a linebacker. So I'm intrigued to see how Elijah Heron continues to grow, but experience now played a lot of football. That's what you're getting in, in Elijah Herring. And then you get Arian Carter, who was the five-star win over Alabama on national signing day or close to national signing day, uh, for the big orange a couple of years ago, a couple of cycles ago, it was 2023 cycle. And he was coming on, he was playing a little bit and then he got hurt and he missed the, the back half of the season. I still think he was adjusting and getting used to the college game, um, and, but I think the sky's the limit for him. <clears throat> Tools, good hips, playing outside in space, big. He's still got the speed, physicality, leadership qualities. He's got it all, and that's Arian Carter. And as we sit here on February 21st, that's who I would say is probably the leader in the clubhouse to, to be the starting linebacker side of Keenan Peely, in my opinion. But again, it's February 21st. They haven't even had spring practice number one yet. So you got all those guys. You got Jeremiah T. Lander, who played a ton as a freshman because of the injuries to Keenan Peely, because of the injuries to Arian Carter. Jeremiah T. Lander, as a true freshman, continued to develop and get more run as the season went along. You have Caleb Perry, who's in the same class as Elijah Herring, who had a specific role on third downs for Tennessee this past year, the same role that Elijah Herring had on third downs in 2022. When you take the star off, you put an extra backer in there, and it's third and mid, third short. Um, that third linebacker. I'll be intrigued to see. I was thinking about this the other day. I'll be intrigued to see. I mean, it's Tim Banks' system, so I'm sure they will. But I'll be intrigued to see if they still do that package on third down without Brian John Marie. But anyway, that was Caleb Perry's role. Uh, in 2023, you got Jalen Smith who came along and and shined towards the end of the season. He was a red shirt, but shined towards the end of the season and in the bowl game when he got some opportunities. You bring in Jordan Burns and you bring in Edwin Spillman. This group of linebackers might not be all stars right now, but boy, you got experience and you got a crafty veteran to lead the charge. You got a whole lot of young guys. What a what a position group to inherit if you are William Inge. Having Aaron Beasley there would probably just make it icing, you know, on the cake, cherry on top. But he's gone. He's exhausted his eligibility. But you still do bring back a veteran in Keenan Peely that knows the system by now, just hadn't played in an awful lot. But Elijah Herring has played a ton of football. Caleb Perry's played two years of football. Jeremiah T. Lander, Arian Carter played some football as true freshman. I'll be intrigued to see as well will William Inch continue to force feed young backers. Um, on the fly, like Brian John Marie did, which I thought was an excellent, excellent idea. Um, so um, I think Tennessee's two assistant coaches that was you know reportedly hired by AwesomePriceFallQuest.com on Monday are inheriting home run situations in the linebacker room and in the running back room. So I'm intrigued to see what all that looks like as we uh, continue on with spring practice here in uh, a little less than a month now. Hey, when we come back, Josh Ward, Ward Wednesday, 
time right here on Lockdown Balls every single Wednesday. That's coming up next on the show. All right, I want to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and a whole lot more. You got the NBA season happening right now. All-Star Weekend is in the rear view, hitting the stride towards the second half of the season, and of course, towards the playoffs. You've got college basketball happening right now. The home stretch of the conference slate, heading into the conference tournament, and the March Madness is right around the corner. Plus, baseball is on the way. No better time to join FanDuel Sportsbook than right now with so many different ways you can put some coin in your pocket. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to shoot your shot today. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Josh Ward with Ward Wednesday, coming up next here on Lockdown Balls. As we do every single Wednesday, Ward Wednesday, welcome on our buddy Josh Ward, 99.1 The Sports Animal, Josh and Swain, noon to three on The Sports Animal. Josh, not a whole lot going on right now on the banks of the Tennessee River, am I right? <laughs> there never is. Uh, I wish content would come from the Hill, but uh, we make do with uh, whatever there is. So uh, coaching hires, you know what? We've seen, though, Tennessee in the past really take some wild turns. Not Josh Heupel. He just goes out and makes hires quickly. Yeah, at least he went out and made hires quickly this go-around. I feel like, you know, Joey Halsey was going to be the guy for a long time, but it just it was never made public. And some of the other ones felt like they dragged out a little bit. But like this Well, time action had- and, and public discussion, those can sometimes be different conversations for sure, for sure with how things work contractually or just with yeah. hires coming in and making sure everybody knows officially. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, but this one, he really did have time to lollygag around because they're going to have spring practice here in less than a month. Let's break these hires down individually. First, let's start with William Inge. Going to come in, coach the linebackers, was a part of a national championship appearance last year with Washington, was reportedly heading down to Tuscaloosa to be linebackers coach for Kellen DeBoer, but uh, it's going to come to Rocky Top instead. I don't think he was going to retain co-defensive coordinator status. Maybe that had something to do with it, but a 50-year-old guy that's been around the block a time or two and uh, – Feels like he he knows what he's doing in this industry. Well, you know, I love a good uh, storyline or just something that adds to a story. And Tennessee hiring a coach who had been on his way to Alabama adds to it, right? Does it mean anything? I don't know. Probably not. It, it still matters most. Does he do a good job for Tennessee? Not necessarily that he was at Alabama, but it makes for some fun, especially offseason conversation. What's important is that He's experienced as a coach. You're right. He just came from a coaching staff that competed at the very highest level playing in the national championship game. And he needs to help develop some young guys with a ton of upside. Guys we've talked about over the last 12 months, like Arion Carter and Jeremiah T. Lander. Keenan Peely is a veteran coming back to play for Tennessee after missing essentially the whole season. So what can William Inge do with this linebacker room is going to play a big role in how Tennessee – performs this season because that group has a ton of upside but potential that has to be tapped into so that's a big deal for Tennessee's defense awesome price also reporting that Darrell Sims of Cincinnati is coming in to take the place of Jerry Mack going to coach Tennessee's running backs um not been coaching as long not made as many stops maybe as William Inge but a guy that has been moving up the ranks pretty steadily the past decade and a guy that has a lot of ties to the southeastern uh, portion of the United States Well, he fits the description that you probably add to that spot, the running backs coach position, in looking for a guy that is on the rise, 
that you expect to be hungry and motivated to come in and do a good job and really use this job, use this position to create more opportunities in the future. Jerry Mack did that at Tennessee, coaching at Tennessee the last three years, and now he's coaching for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's good for Jerry Mack. That was good for Tennessee. He was a valued coach. While it's a position that I don't think you have to be worried about having to replace, it's still an important position, and Tennessee went out and found somebody that would fit that that makeup of, okay, he's been on the rise, uh, Louisville, Cincinnati. Tennessee is obviously much higher profile than those programs. There is money that can be offered at Tennessee. There's the chance to coach talented guys. Again, players that need to develop. Dylan Sampson stepping into a bigger role, but Cameron Selden, legitimate talent. What can he become in a bigger role within the offense? We can say the same about Peyton Lewis as a newcomer. Khalifa Keith is a young running back. So uh, it is an important job for Darrell Sims. It's a big opportunity. Yeah, huge opportunity. Um, uh, again, it, you know, being Carson Newman back in 20, 2012, when I was there, by the way, um, and then being at Western Carolina, East Carolina, Louisville. I mean, he knows this area pretty well. Got ties to the Carolinas, to Georgia, um, and, and then you know, coaching up at Cincinnati as well. Feel like from a recruiting standpoint, that's that, that's a big deal for for Sims. For Inge, I'm curious, man. All of his he doesn't really have any ties to the South, Midwest to West, and so I'm you know he spent a couple seasons in Buffalo, I guess. But um, I'm curious to see from a recruiting standpoint how those guys go to work, and we won't know you know for a little, for a little while, but. I, I can say on a staff that I don't feel like really tries as hard as it needs to in recruiting, in my opinion, Jerry Mack and Brian John Marie were two of the go-getters, and now they're and now they're gone. Well, my first thought with Inge was on the development side. On the recruiting side, I can only offer up a question, and we'll see uh, what the impact is there. I would think Sims fits the description more of a guy that can be a go-getter on the recruiting trail that goes back to everything that he's trying to earn in that position, and he does have – the Southeastern connection that would make sense too. With Inge, we'll see. I don't know. But uh, you have to recruit at that position and on the defensive side, dudes, guys that can go out and be difference-making players. And and across the board, they've signed some of those guys, right? Jordan Ross is the next one coming in on the edge, On the just talking about the defense overall. But Brian Jean-Marie was very valued in that role, what he was able to do coaching, what he was able to do recruiting, and that's something that has to be replaced here. You look at you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you look at what they're inheriting. I just kind of spoke on it in segment number two. Man, it, it's almost like sure if you were inheriting Jalen Ryan, Jabari Small, probably inheriting more, but you're in a really good spot at running back with Dylan Sampson, a guy that's played and shined, an up and comer, Kim Selden, that is is the type of profile and athlete you want. And in his one opportunity, he looked really good in the Citrus Bowl. So you got some experience and some guys and a, a good skill set there, and then it linebacker you have a, a 28 year old veteran essentially and uh and keenan peely that at least knows the system has barely played in it but then a whole lot of young guys that got a ton of opportunities last year i feel like the cupboard whereas brian john marie inherited nothing you are inheriting a pretty good situation in both rooms yeah there's work to be done but you're right in terms of the overall talent and the potential it's a much different conversation i think than the one we had three to four years ago uh with where tennessee was so uh they, let's see this off season let's see this spring what kind of strides that can be made but eric we talked about it in linebacker arian arian carter as soon as he stepped on campus where we saw him for the first time in pads a year ago what he might be able to do and he showed signs of that 
this past fall, got to play. He, he probably played more snaps than most among his class before he suffered the injury. Uh, T. Lander showed uh, how he can work out there on the field. So the potential with him and with Carter, with Peely coming back, that's a guy that should just naturally be able to lead. It was probably a little more difficult a year ago when he first arrived, but he has the natural leadership skills, qualities from his time at BYU as a captain for multiple years. That has to help in the transition fringe. But uh, running back, I just I, I love the the ability, the physical ability of what Selden has. He's kind of freakish in his size and his speed. He has to learn at the running back position. The snaps he got in the Citrus Bowl should help him with that, with what he has to learn at that spot. Samson's a, just a natural playmaker, so that's going to be easy, I think, for Darrell Sims in what to coach. Uh, the biggest question for Samson probably this upcoming season will be pass protection. He does have to yeah. improve there. That's going to be a really important part of his job in the expanded role he'll play. And, you know, two other questions I have about these guys that we're not going to know until we actually see games. You know, Brian John Marie force-fed those freshman backers, and he had to. But he played Elijah Herring last year, played, um, you know, played, um, you know, Aaron Caleb Carter. Perry. Jer yeah, Jeremiah Tienland, a bunch of other guys. And, mm -hmm. and then on the, the running back side of things, it's been kind of a three-headed monster. Will Sims take it to a two-headed monster? You will never see Cody Schrader, as I mentioned in segment two, getting 30 carries a game. That's just – it's impossible in this offense. But um, we won't know the answers to that until we, we kind of see how these guys go about it throughout a couple games uh, next season. But I think Tennessee got two really good ones. I'll make and this Cody prediction quickly. If we don't see Peyton Lewis on the field, he will be the number one – unless it's Mike Matthews, a fan saying, why aren't we seeing Peyton Lewis on the field because of the excitement he's risen in some of the rankings and he has the speed. So fans will want to see him as part of a three-headed monster would be my prediction to go with Selden and Samson. You're right. I would say Mike Matthews and Jordan Ross will be in that conversation for it because Jordan Ross went all the way up inside the top 10 at on three yeah. in, in these last go-abouts. So uh, remember, no, I'm not even going to say it because I don't want to compare him to a former Tennessee five-star that came to campus, had high expectations. But anyway, uh, I think Tennessee got two good ones. Spring practice right on the corner. We'll see what happens. And uh, you're going to be talking about it with some guy named uh, Jason Swain on your show, noon to three every single day, right? He's a VFL. He's a former Tennessee wide receiver and 12 to three every single day. Uh, we're talking Tennessee football. Swain's a fan of the hires. He likes the energy that we talked about with Darrell Sims and Tennessee hoops. It's a big time right now for Tennessee fans with everything going on, baseball and more. And don't forget to subscribe for free to the Josh and Swain newsletter. It's in the show notes of uh, this episode right here. Josh, as always, man, thanks so much. Thanks, Eric. All right, that's going to do it here for your Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. Thanks so much for being here and taking the time to start your morning with us here on Locked On Vols. It's free. You can subscribe. Set that reminder every time a new show is here. Every day, just couldn't do it without you. Thanks for making this your first listen. We'll come back on Thursday, tell you everything and more. We'll talk a little Tennessee basketball as well heading into the weekend. Of course, some more recap from the Missouri game and the latest with Tennessee football and these new assistant hires. Maybe we'll hear something from a legal standpoint as well. All that and more on a Thursday edition of Lockdown Ball. See you then.